This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. The most memorable interviews and listener calls from the week that was on Fight Back with Libby Snymer. Welcome to the best of Fight Back with Jane Brown. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Saturday edition of the Best of Fight Back from the week that was. We're now two days away from Municipal Election Day across Ontario, with advanced polling in Toronto suggesting the turnout will be poor. There was not much interest in the Toronto mayoral campaign, with the foregone conclusion that John Tory would easily win a third term. But that changed somewhat after the CARP Toronto mayoral debate, which was held here at the Zoomerplex a week ago Thursday, moderated by Libby Snymer. We were introduced to four of John Tory's challengers as the five candidates, including the incumbent, debated issues important to older Toronto residents, including aging in place and making care more accessible. So did CARP members get the answers they were looking for? And what about feeling confident that some of the good ideas will actually be acted on? Libby was joined by the Zoomer squad on Monday to discuss. David Kravitz is chief membership officer at CARP and vice president here at Zoomer Media. Peter Mugridge is senior editor of Zoomer magazine. And Bill Van Gorder is CARP's chief operating officer and chief policy officer. It was an excellent opportunity to uh, showcase uh, CARP's uh, concerns. Uh, Anthony uh, Quinn, our uh, CARP uh, community uh, uh, chief officer, was able to ask the five questions that are most uh, important to uh, CARP members, and at least we got them on the the table and got them talked about. Whether or not the answers were helpful is, uh, we're a little bit skeptical. The the, uh, uh, current mayor was not as... uh, specific in his answers as we'd like him to do. And of course, the challengers all all were, but they haven't shown whether or not they can follow through or not. But the, the questions that were raised were important. They were well, well explored. And uh, uh, one of the only times in a long time in a municipal election that we've had an opportunity actually to get this uh, these questions out to the, to the candidates and to the public. Peter, it was interesting, you know, uh, the Toronto Star declared Chloe Brown the winner. She's, quite frankly, somebody who doesn't really have a chance. She was very combative, but the candidates kept saying, I agree with Chloe. And one of the things she brought up was a community health hub, which is something that older people need to be able to age in place. Did you think there's any hope of helping to get that done? Well, you know... um yeah, in between her sort of barbs against uh, Tory, um, she she made some good points, and uh, I don't know whether she won the debate, but she she certainly, I mean that that health hub is, is something that uh, you can't really disagree with. But um, you know, like from our experience, uh, you, you know they they've sort of fumbled, um, you know, reorganizing these. Um, you know these these local health authorities, and um, it's it, Lins, it, yeah, which Lins. were supposed to be abolished ages ago, right? And and they they fumbled that, and so whether um, 
you know, whether I have any hope that the bureaucracy can can um, sort of create these health hubs in, in areas of need, it, you know, that remains to be seen. But, it, but that doesn't mean it's not a good idea. And um, I just thought, you know, she, if she could have expanded it a bit more rather than taking shots at Tory, I, I thought that would have been helpful. But, uh, but generally, it was a good idea. And, and I, I would like to add, Libby, that your, the debate was ably moderated by you. So oh, well, thank you, you. You certainly kept people on track. And there was none of, like, you limited the amount of sort of antagonistic comments, and I thought it ran quite smoothly. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, we have David Kravitz back. What was your take on, on how Zoomer issues were answered? And uh, John Tory did remind us that they, they I mean, hey, bureaucracy is the answer for everything. They created a separate agency for the seniors' housing that, that the city of Toronto runs, uh, I don't know, is that the answer? Well, I think that what was missing uh, was a sense of vision or purpose or excitement about the whole package. We were reduced to, you know, we've, we've repaired 180,000 potholes. We have a good bureaucracy working on this topic. We'll take time to repair all the broken fountains in the parks. I mean, it's all that sort of grubby blocking attack. That is, frankly, what municipal government is is mainly all about. But there's also a sense of malaise of uh, the city just isn't, you know, uh, what it used to be. And I don't think that the uh, defendant, if you will, uh, the incumbent, uh, John Tory, really dealt with that. And I think that uh, the criticisms were all onesies and twosies. What about this problem? What about that problem? And there, everybody agreed, vehement agreement on what to do, but um, there's no sense that the city really has the capacity to do much more than, you know, band-aid their way through a better future. David Kravitz, Chief Membership Officer at CARP and Vice President here at Zoomer Media. Peter Mugridge, Senior Editor of Zoomer Magazine. And Bill Van Gorder, CARP's Chief Operating Officer and Chief Policy Officer. Fightbacks Monday, Zoomer Squad. This is the best of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. I'm Jane Brown. When it comes to Toronto City Council, incumbency almost feels like the only factor during municipal elections. For a newcomer, challenging an incumbent is daunting. Our own Liz West, co-host of the Afternoon Express, ran for Toronto City Council twice. She lost both times, even though she was backed by quite the political machine. Libby spoke with Liz about the experience running against Paula Fletcher, both in 2010 and 2014. So the story is, I literally got an email from a couple of people that lived in the ward saying, Liz, we're sick and tired of our councillor. She keeps winning. She's a longtime incumbent. We think you could win. We know you like the city of Toronto, like you're passionate about your city. We know who you are. Would you consider running? Because the bottom line is you need you need some kind of name recognition. Sadly, it could be you own, you know, the finest tailor shop on the main street or you're a media personality. But people need to recognize your name or you really don't stand a chance. So at the time, I thought, are you nuts? Like, I'm not, what, why would I want to do this to myself? And then I said, well, I'm going to take a couple of um, 
I call a couple of people I know in the business of, of politics that have been around the block. Uh, what do you think, Arthur? And he said, okay, uh, she's a really tough candidate or like exists sitting counselor yeah. to beat. She's, um, it's, it was uh, Jack Layton's writing. Yep. So very left-leaning. She's very left-leaning. Uh, and I didn't, I don't lean anyway. Yeah. I have no political affiliation. Uh, which I learned is you need a pol- political affiliation. So Arthur came back to me and said, Liz, you know what? I talked to some people and there's enough interest in having a viable candidate in this uh, ward at the time that we can put it together for you if you consider doing this. But what I did realize is that it's, uh, it's a very, very difficult... It's, some people like the door knocking. I did not like knocking on the doors. That is not, I wanted to do the job, but to get the job, you have to do this yeah. other thing, which has nothing to do with the job because nobody wants to be, they've got their babies in their arms, they're crying, the dinner's on because you got to go at dinner time Yeah, because that's the only time people are home. So you like canvas at dinner time and you just hope and pray you get a half decent and you try and make your impression quickly in and out, in and out. You know, there's a whole bunch of rules as it relates to canvassing, who to talk to, who to not talk to, how long to talk to people. And I thought, well, some people really like that process and some people don't. So if someone like me is like, I don't really think I can do that to get elected. That means you, you might miss out on a really great counselor. There you go. So what else is your takeaway? I mean, we keep saying there's too much apathy for the provincial level. Mm -hmm. There are too few good people running, but hey, people, we want you to be engaged and, and, and all of that. So, you know, what's your takeaway from all of this? Well, you know, I was thinking about why is this election in particular so bad? Why are there so few incumbents compared to previous years? And, and, you know, to be honest, I think it's in the Rosedale <clears throat> riding. There's no incumbent. but There then, are seven with no incumbents. Yeah. So, but there's nobody else. It's almost like nobody else who stands out. And then you have with a really strange situation because how do they prove, how do they get a chance to put themselves in a platform to prove themselves? And without really having a good campaign manager who knows the ins and outs, you know, if you if you have your friend doing it, you're there's no way you 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 know it's not it's a hard job. Like the camp campaign manager is a real job. You know everything we see on television and and what we hear about on radio, uh, people are usually getting bashed around. <laughs> Counselors, you know. Yeah. I always said it's a thankless job. Who's thanking you? You can't make anybody happy. Think, oh, can I just add one yeah. more thing? And and have a thing about hosting a, a couple of candidates for like a tea night or coffee night at your house. Get them in, have your neighbors over, and talk to them. Find out who they are. Liz West, co-host of the Afternoon Express here on Zoomer Radio. Liz joined Libby to talk about her experience running for Toronto City Council twice. You're listening to the best of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. I'm Jane Brown. Coming up after the break, is the Loblot no-name price freeze a good thing for shoppers or a good thing for Loblaw? We will discuss next. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. 
Heard weekdays from noon to one. Good isn't good enough. Make way for the best of Fight Back with Jane Brown on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Shoppers are saying it's about time. European grocers had been freezing prices for months when it was announced on Monday by Loblaw's Galen Weston that Canada's largest grocery chain was implementing a three-month price freeze on Loblaw's no-name products. This appears to be good news for consumers, but it may be even better for Loblaw. Ellen Roseman is a consumer advocate and journalist. She joined Fight Back to talk about the no-name price freeze and what it really means for grocery shoppers. A number of European countries are doing this, and I think the way people are feeling right now, very discouraged when they go to the grocery store and they see the rising prices and they also see that the cost of uh, shelters going up, that they like to see some leadership from the food chains. And perhaps if uh, Loblaws, which is Canada's number one retailer in terms of volume, uh, does it first, maybe the others will feel they have to follow. So that's not a bad thing. But definitely, uh, we remember it wasn't all that long ago, maybe three years ago, the price fixing involving yeah. Weston Bread and uh, Loblaws. And they gave us all a $25 gift card, which didn't really, you know, compensate many people for the amount of bread they bought over the years. So that's there. And also, uh, the, um, uh, House of Commons is going to vote today on looking at, you know, uh, the uh, uh, prices of groceries and, and whether or not the supermarkets are taking, uh, you know, excess profits out of it. And there's also an agricultural food committee uh, looking into it. A lot of this is sparked by the NDP and their concerns for ordinary people and their, and their household finances. And another thing is that Loblaws is about to announce its third quarter earnings. Uh, this month, probably this week or early next week, and uh, this can help, I guess, pave the way for it. If the earnings look rather higher than people expected, uh, then they'll say, well, look at this step that we've taken. We're, we're freezing prices on 1,500 items for the next three months. I do want to point out that for many of us, we don't buy the yellow and black no-name items, but we buy the President's Choice, which is also a house brand. But there's apparently 4,000 of those items, but none of those are being price frozen. Okay, well, and my question also is, like, frozen at what level? Let me give an example. One of the few, uh, no, I, I buy a few no-name products, including no-name butter unsalted butter. The price on that fluctuates from, sometimes it's on sale, like for for over $3, but it fluctuates between four and a half. And, and I guess we missed a sale. And the last time I was there, I saw it, it was just this weekend. It was like seven fifty. It was really expensive, wow. more expensive than some of the brand name brands. And some of their stuff sometimes is more expensive than the brand name brand. So where is it frozen? Are you freezing it at at seven fifty for for a hunk of butter? Well, uh, thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah, apparently the uh, price freeze goes into effect next Monday. So maybe they'll be looking at what the price is right now during this week and freeze it there. But for many people, they're saying, well, food price inflation is coming down a little. You know, it was at a very very high rate, but there there are things mitigating it to some extent. It's still incredibly high, but uh, are we, 
you know, freezing this for three months at a time when food prices might be starting to trend down a little bit. Ellen, so your predictions, where does this go? Does this turn out great for Loblaw or not so great? And what about us? Well, I think it will turn out great to Loblaws because they were number one. And if the other two big competitors, Sobe and Metro, do it, they might do it at an even better level, in which case Loblaws might be forced to uh, improve the offer, sweeten the offer, so to speak. But it is a way to at least tell Canadians that these grocery stores that you enter two or three times a week uh, are on your side, at least in one small area, and you can't... uh, tell them not to do it, because I think it's better PR if they do this kind of offer than if they don't, even if we have a lot of criticism about it. Ellen Roseman, consumer advocate and journalist. This is Zoomer Radio's Best of Fight Back. I'm Jane Brown. We've been hearing some dire warnings about a potential fall resurgence of COVID-19. The latest is from Canada's Chief Public Health Officer, Dr. Theresa Tam, who says the Public Health Agency of Canada is looking carefully at the evolution of Omicron subvariants and preparing for a worst-case scenario. There have been some reports that the latest subvariants may have the ability to evade COVID vaccines and may be even more contagious than previous variations. Epidemiologist Dr. Prabhat Jha is a faculty member at the Dalla-Lana School of Public Health and joined Fight Back on Wednesday. Well, we've heard that the subvariants, the cousins of Omicron, are already circulating in some settings, for example, in Germany quite widely, and contributing to an increase in cases. In Canada, there has not yet been a clear increase in cases, but that's just inevitable, I think, as we get into the winter and or fall and winter uh, flu-like season, basically, when people are doing more crowding indoors. And uh, as you know, the mask fatigue has come in quite widely. People aren't wearing masks nearly as much, in part because they're... Guilty uh, as charged. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I think we all do that. Uh, it's just human behavior. But I think the important thing to note here is, first of all, the uh, evidence that we have. We look to Germany and, and Western Europe, who are roughly three to four weeks ahead of us in terms of the trajectories of the, of the, um, uh, of the variants, um, that even two doses of the vaccine, which most Canadians now have, protects really quite well against dropping dead or being seriously hospitalized. But the single most effective thing that could be done in Canada is to make sure the third dose, you know, we're, we've been talking about the the fourth dose here, uh, or the second booster, but the third dose coverage is only 50% among adult Canadians or above age five. So there's lots of Canadians, millions of Canadians that haven't even got the third dose. And the question is, should they get this new vaccine that targets BA1, or should they get um, the original vaccine? Um, I would say get the first one you can, because the evidence suggests that these the new variant vaccines, the Omicron BA1, should be a little bit better. But remember, that targets BA1, which is what hit us in January of last year. What's circulating now in Canada is a cousin of that BA5. So naturally, it's 
probably not going to be as effective as it would be against the January of last year variant. Let me just clarify. I thought the Pfizer vaccine Mm -hmm. did target the BA4 and 5, no? Uh, yes, the Tiger, uh, you're right, the Pfizer vaccine does target against BA4 and 5. But when you look at the evidence, the main effect is not so much from a um, these new types of vaccines. It's from getting the third dose or the fourth dose. And we have to remember that as more evidence accumulates, the main effect is simply having another vaccine on board. That's the most important decision, um, whether you get the newer one or the older one, like I got the older one and I, you know, uh, is my booster. And I think that's fine because that just gives me some protection um, against being further protection against being hospitalized. This is our concern is to make sure that extra doses in the particular in the elder population and immunocompromised will keep people out of hospital. And that probably will be the strategy if we get the new variants showing up, the displaced BA5. Uh, but that hasn't happened yet. This is what Theresa Tam and others are saying. We're watching the Germany data. We're watching other countries and our own data and seeing whether uh, the new subvariants displace, uh, displace BA5. Epidemiologist Dr. Prabhat Jha, faculty member at the Dalla-Lana School of Public Health. I'm Jane Brown, and this is Zoomer Radio's Best of Fight Back. Still to come, what you had to say about the week that was, and the Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Zoomer Radio, pulling no punches with the best of Fight Back. With Jane Brown. Fight back with Libby Snymer has the most informed guests on the week's hot topics, and we also rely on you for your valued opinions. Here are some of this week's best calls. Pat in Toronto phoned during our segment on fixing potholes, which is turning into a chronic problem in this city. I believe this was back in 2018, and I hit a pothole on Duplex Avenue north of Eglinton. And I had one flat tire, I thought, so I called CAA. The guy came up, and we had two flat tires. So uh, anyway, I put in a claim to the city, phone 311, I believe is the number. And in the conversation at that point, I was a counselor up in Muskoka. I mentioned I was a counselor. All of a sudden, things changed. I think I got back $1,700 for the damage, but it took about eight or nine months to get back. So I don't know whether it's a, a secret. So you made a profit have, on that. It worked for me. Catherine in Toronto phoned in on World Menopause Day. Before I retired, I shared an office with seven other women, and we were all menopausal at the time. Okay, yeah. Five women had brain fog, hot flashes, and night sweats. Two of us did not. And I think it's a function of lifestyle. Why didn't two of us? We didn't do caffeine. We didn't do alcohol. We were vegetarian. Uh, no drug. We weren't on any meds, and we weren't doing recreational drugs, and we were exercising three days a week. And we sailed through menopause. We didn't have any of the symptoms that I just described. And now, Fight Back's Knockout Call of the Week. 
There were a lot of great calls this week, but the winner of the Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week is Sita in Mississauga, who called about the Loblaw price freeze on no-name products. Loblaws will gain by freezing price. It will be bad for consumers. We buy mostly no-name products because they are cheaper than brand name. No-name products are under $2, most of them. So if they freeze price at $2 and don't put them on sale for a dollar at times, who is going to win? Do you think it's a publicity seat up? Yes, it is, because... When they put these products on sale, something you get for a dollar or 99 cents or whatever, it's canned food. And people depend on these things to stock up and to use, and it's cheaper than to buy fresh fruits and vegetables. That does it for today's Best of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. If you'd like to qualify for the Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week, phone us noon to one weekdays. Or if you have a comment, email us at fightback at zoomer.ca. Follow us on Twitter at Fightback Libby and call our Fightback voicemail anytime at 416-367-9636. I'm Jane Brown. Join me again at the same time tomorrow when we'll round up the rest of the best of fight back the best of fight back is produced by jane brown justin eacock and zeev hadi with technical production by kelly robotham executive producer moses nimer this podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.